This is Rudy Ray's. See me and Ray Lynn at Sabotage Wrestling, February 18th in East Los Angeles, California. But until then, you are listening to the Atomic Podcast. Booyah, people, get it. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. My guest today, she is an independent wrestler in all of California. You have seen her in ACS. She's been in so many different promotions out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ruby Rays. How's that? Ruby? (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. I'm kind of cold here in the Midwest, which is, it has snow, it has rain, it has ice, and um, the wind chills are like minus 10 sometimes, but from all in all, for, you know, all in all, everything is okay. I'm glad the holidays are over. How about yourself? Um, I like the holidays, so I'm, I'm okay. I mean, but uh, the best thing I like about the holidays is, you know what happens right after the holidays? What? My Get- when is your birthday? Tomorrow, January twelfth. Oh my God, mine's is January seventeenth. I'm a Capricorn. Asha, yeah, yes, caps, <laughs> caps. We, you know, we love hard, and when we get angry, we hold grudges and we get upset. So, <laughs> oh my God, yes, I'll rip people apart. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Are, are you into? Are you into like the astrology and all that, like Capricorn and Aries? Like, do you follow that or not? Um, of course, I think anybody that was, you know, anybody that grew up at least in the 80s or 90s, like, at least semi-follows some astrology, I would think, right? Yeah. Do you remember, um, Walter Mercado? No. Well, uh-huh. like, I, I guess that's, that's, I guess that's my era. It was, like, this lady in, like, the Spanish, not even a lady, like, a man in the, in the Spanish channels, like, in, in the city, they had, you know, Telemundo, and then they have, um... Uh, damn, I'm just, I'm Galavision, but I think he was on Telemundo, and then he'll give, like, he'll talk about, like, the signs, like, Aries, and he'll give you, you know, what's, what's in store for you for, like, the year, and Capricorn, and all that, but look up Walter Ricardo, yeah, look up Walter Ricardo, and you'll see what I mean. (laughs) Nice, that sounds really cool. No, uh, no, I don't know, uh, I don't know him, I know Miss Cleo. Oh, Miss Cleo, yeah, she passed away, right? She did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was yeah. like it was like one of those one eight hundred numbers is like three ninety nine a minute. <laughs> yes, I never called, but I, I definitely remember Miss Cleo. Ah, okay. So you're are, do you believe do you believe like in the astrology signs and all that or? Um. So growing up, I did, and I do to an extent. Mm-hmm. But also, I am a uh, scientist, so. And I'm I'm scientist and I'm in psychology, so that uh, kind of makes me kind of negate it. But at some given points, you gotta also see that there's some points that just can't be explained by science or can't be explained by psychology and stuff. So I think it's kind of a, a push. There's fifty fifty there. I think it's half right at least, and there's still a lot more to be discovered on that. In my opinion. Oh, what well, um, you taking science now in college? 
Oh, no. I am all done with my, uh, I finished my master's degree in, uh, when did I walk? Uh, 2014, I finished my master's degree from uh, USC, and I've just been kind of wrestling since then, and I'm kind of considering going out and getting my PhD. I'm not sure. A lot of people are pushing me to do it, so I'm not sure. We'll see. Wow, congratulations on that. I had no idea. Thank you. No, yes, I am a... uh, I am a published scientist. I have had my research uh, published. I have ongoing research right now that is helping uh, undergraduates get into grad schools. And they're still working on it. We're getting ready to uh, write another publication, hopefully. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of what I, a little bit of what I do outside of wrestling. Oh, what, is, well, what is it that you, that, 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 that was published? What, what research? What was it? Um, I did research on the perception of children and adolescents in distress uh, by gender. So what that means is I did a test on males and females to see how they responded to seeing both infants and adolescents in distress. It was a kind of hard for people to look at, but it was really interesting. Uh, Interesting study, interesting results, and uh, it got published, so hopefully... Hopefully that can help some people in the future when it comes to grieving processes or, you know, um, definitely uh, trauma and emergency scenarios. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. What attracted you to this? Uh, I don't know. I'm in <laughs> psychology. <laughs> that was kind of a, a, a children and adolescents in distress was an area that I was uh, put into originally when it came to research. Mm-hmm. After that, I... Um, spearheaded my own research on neurocognitive processing of people who use the internet excessively so that was like a hot topic at the time and i'm also doing some research on psychopathy or psychopathy as people talk about it antisocial behaviors so uh, sociopaths and stuff like that Jeez, louise wow besides wrestling you're doing all this Whoo! how do you have time <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the back burners it, it, there's you know, ongoing research is ongoing, so all I do is hand off the torch to other people and let them collect my data, and uh, I'll be there to help write things up when it comes time. Ah, fascinating, fascinating. Um, to um to go back into wrestling, basically, um, you're originally from California, correct? Yes, I am. Oh, uh, and um, how was your upbringing like? How was growing up like for you? Growing up, growing up, like my family? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> my, uh, I was raised to basically do everything. Do it by yourself. Learn on your own. Never tell you, never let anybody tell you that you can't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because I grew up a lot around, uh, my brother, and my dad, uh, a lot of it was always keeping up with the boys as well. Mm-hmm. That being said, <laughs> my father is sexist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, women stay home and cook and clean? Like that type of old school mentality? Yes. Okay. Women stay home, women cook, women clean, women have long hair, <laughs> women be in positions of authority, women, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> wow, wow. Is it, and you know, it's the old, the old Spanish guy, right? Like the old traditional, you know, women. Oh, he's not even traditional. He's like that. He he looks like a definitely old Benedetto type, like 
Yeah. Dom, um, how was it, like, with your brother? Did you always get picked on? Or, like, he was always looking out for you? Or Um, I think for the most part, it was me trying to keep up with my brother and everything my brother was doing. And the funny thing about that is, um, like, my brother, when he was younger, he used to, you know, skateboard. And so I tried to skateboard, too. And then as he got older in school, he started to wrestle. So, obviously, I wanted to wrestle, too. Mm-hmm. And so I used to actually watch my brother go through his wrestling practices, and they used to do uh, late night wrestling practices here at my house. Like they bring uh, wrestling mats, and uh, I got to learn a lot from my brother when I was small about just wrestling. This is like a you know freestyle Greco-Roman yeah. type wrestling, and then he goes on to win like state championships and stuff like that. Wow! Now that we're older, you know, now I'm the one that's wrestling, and he's not. So. Wow. That's amazing, you know, because I, you know, I always try to tell my daughter, oh, you should do wrestling in school, you should do this there. Um, what is it about, because you saw your brother doing it, that's what attracted you to to, to doing, like, wrestling in school? Or? Well, there was, there was that, it was like, I feel like it was this um, total mesh of everything pointing to one thing at the same time, where my brother was wrestling in school, so I would see him wrestling in school, and then me and my brother, you know, growing up with him, we would watch like the WWE, and you know, definitely we would watch Glow. Oh yes, Glow just leads the wrestling. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we we definitely watched Glow, and it, I feel like between those, it was just something that was always there was the wrestling aspects and the fighting aspects as well. Oh. Um, because c- in addition to wrestling, you know, um, my brother was kind of like a little a little bit of rookie of boxing, not nothing serious, mm-hmm. but my dad was also a wrestler and my dad was a boxer oh, my wow. grandpa was a boxer you know there's <laughs> just fighting is the in combat sports just seems to be part of what my family does yeah you know what they say if you're puerto rican you're a baseball player if you're mexican you're a boxer <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much and it's not it was, it's also like when we were kids we do the family reunions and legitimately i'm telling you straight up at the family reunions, they put gloves on the kids and have the cousins duke it out. So, oh wow, that's just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> you have like the real gloves, or it's like one of those like gloves that makes the noise, or you have the real actual boxing gloves. Oh no, 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 we're Mexican. That that shit's real. Like <laughs> they're they're taping gloves on us as we're children, and they're having us box, and it's just hilarious. Like looking back on it now, it's hilarious, and it's so bad, and it's so. <laughs> Yeah, you see, if you think about it like that, it's like old school. Like back then, you know, you know, parents and like kids and brothers and sisters, they did like UFC back then. Like UFC was like family get-togethers, and you know, you just throw down and you don't get mad at each other. Like you know, you break your nose, but you know, that's still family. You know. It was, and that's that's it. That's how it is. And I don't know if that's a, a trademark Mexican thing or if it's just an older school thing. Like if you were. You know, growing up at the right era, that it was okay that you're going to play in the dirt and have your face washed off with a little bit of beer, and you're going to wind up punching one of your cousins. I, this is all things that are okay to me, and they're things that I, you know, they're things that I grew up with. So hell, why not? Yeah. Are you like a tomboy then? Is that safe to say? Um. I think one of my friends described it best as I'm the toughest girly girl you'll ever meet because I absolutely love. Getting my nails done. I love getting my hair done. I love, you know, shopping. Oh, God, I love shopping. I was just shopping before this. <laughs> I love all those things that, you know, I, I love makeup. Oh, my God, I have so much makeup. 
But at the same time, I'll work on my car oh, wow. <laughs> by myself. I could change my oil. I could change my tires. I, I love wrestling. I love getting dirty. I'll ride dirt bikes. I don't I don't care. I'm the toughest girly girl you'll ever meet. Wow, that's awesome. Um, like if you're, I don't know if you're in a relationship or not, but if you're in a relationship, um, does the guy usually get intimidated by you because you pretty much could do anything yourself? You're like one of the girls, like, oh, can you fix my tire or can you change this? Like, you know how to do it yourself. Does a guy feel useless when he's around someone, some like like you like that or someone like that? You think? Absolutely. Yeah. I. I, 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 <laughs> I for the longest time, I was kind of ignorant to it, but I came to realize it, and yeah, and that, you know, when my tire gets flat, I could change it myself, I don't need you, in fact, move out of my way, I'll probably get it done quicker than you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but that's how I was raised, you know, I'm, I'm straight up, you know, you might not be able to tell from my pictures, but I'm, you know, 100% Latina, I was raised by my father, who made me do everything, and I was raised before Google, so... <laughs> Worse than that, I had to figure it out by myself as well, <laughs> you know, and I had to be around my brother, and I had to be around my dad, and I just learned how to, you know, pretty much not have to rely on other people to be able to just do it on my own, and I'll be okay. Oh. Where's your mom in this situation? Um, my mom is the epitome of, um... <clears throat> Female, I, not, I don't want to say female because I feel like that she's not the epitome of female. She's the epitome of like almost like a 1950s female where she uh, is very reliant on the husband. And I don't know if that's, you know, part of the way she, I'm going to guess that's part of the way that she was raised. But she very much needs someone there the whole time to help her out through things or she kept her hair long as far as she's like almost 70 now and her hair is still long because my dad likes her hair long uh, oh, wow. very much you know cook for the husband clean up after the husband do this for the husband do that for the husband uh, yeah. very much not like I am she is a very 1950s housewifey wow like really really old school like that right like the old tradition like stay home and cook and clean and like she doesn't pay the bills he pays all the bills like basically like yeah he paid, i mean she still she had a job but it was always like he pays all the bills and she cooks she cleans she this she that and it's just whew, a lot of work <laughs> yeah i hear that i hear that so and then you know seeing that you um did you feel like you was going to be a woman like your mom or you already knew, like you said, you know, you was playing around with your brothers and with your dad that like, this is not a, this is not a, like this. I don't want to be like my mom. Like I, I want to do my own thing, you know, right? Um, yeah, I don't think I ever wanted to be like my mom besides in the fact where, you know, she would put flowers in my hair and I thought that they were beautiful or she taught me, you know, how to paint my nails and mm -hmm. I, I like that. That was cool. But I've, I've never, and it probably sounds really shitty, I've never had a desire to be like my mother. It was always a <clears throat> want to do more, and I feel like, you know, as, as domesticated as my mom was in the very 1950s style, she always told me, you know, well, don't just date one guy, date several guys, and date guys with money, and Go out there, do your thing, get an education, ignore the hate. Like, literally, I think my mom was saying ignore the haters when I was, like, three. <laughs> like, you know, it was always like, you know, stand up for yourself, never take any shit, you know. And that's, you know, definitely nothing that she herself lives by, but there were 
things that she instilled in me along with my father and it was nothing the way of how she is and yeah i don't know if maybe that was like her wishes for me because she wasn't mm-hmm. like that yeah. but uh I like to think that's how i came out yeah it's like that with parents you know like a lot of parents especially you know back in the days they didn't finish school and then they had to like you know clean the house and be you know sort of like the not not like the breadwinner but they had to take care of the house or take care of the family and then when they have children you know they always want what you know what's best for you you know because they never had that situation so she probably wanted you to finish this and you know get your education and you know get a job you know meet a man with money because he can take care of you you wouldn't have to worry about it so you know i guess you know in her own way she was you know saying look you know you can do this and you'll be okay right and in her own way trying to be like comforting in that way oh yeah i i definitely agree and but i feel like it's the same thing that my dad you know, my dad was telling me very much similar scenarios, and and that's what and that's how it turned out. Like, uh, my mother and my father met on picket lines from I don't know if you know much about Mexican American history, but uh, picket lines uh, back during the 1960s and 70s for the UFW, uh, the United Farm Workers Union. They met because of that, wow. and um, they were you know. My mom's mom and my mom grew up in like a shack where the floors were dirt and my dad had 14 brothers and sisters and they grew up, you know, you know, piss poor. Wow. And uh, they were always, you know, stressing about education, about, you know, doing something with your life. And uh, they met through the Farm Workers Union. Obviously, they didn't want a uh, fruit picking family. They didn't want me and my brother to work in the fields. They, uh, my... uh, parents or my grandparents actually helped found uh, the United Farm Workers Union out here in California alongside of Cesar Chavez Wow! because they were trying to build a uh, better, better future for their children. And they, uh, you know, obviously they did. We got through that and then, you know, we started going to school. My brother ended up going to like a pilot school or like an air, air, airplane mechanic school or whatever. I want to, you know, taking a more traditional academic route and, I, I hit the holy grail when it came to grad schools because I actually got accepted to Harvard. Wow. And that was like uh, the, the be-all, end-all. I didn't take it. <laughs> that was the be-all, end-all for them. Well, you didn't take and it? I to go to USC. Huh? You didn't take Harvard? No, absolutely not. Oh, well, how come? Um, I got accepted to uh, several different programs when it came to grad school, and one of them uh, being Harvard. They sent me an orientation packet specifically stated that at two o'clock would be the uh, general orientation but at four o'clock would be the orientation for people of color and i received an orientation packet for people of color wow i just felt that was entirely racist wait how many how many years ago was that i'm trying to um i started going to 2013 2013 and it, it said it actually said that like Oh, yeah. I actually, I, I put it on my Facebook because I was so appalled at the the wording. Even if they meant, I get they probably meant well, but the wording was so rash mm-hmm. that I, I actually posted on my Facebook. I was like, can you believe this? <laughs> can you really believe this? It's, it's 2013. Wow. <laughs> you, know, uh, for, you know, first let's do, you know, not, not to knock any races because honestly I'm not, I, I, I'm not racist at all but you know first let's do the orientation for people people now let's do the orientation for people of color it's like whoa whoa 
Wow. So, so let me ask you a question. So if you did not see that, would you would have had a different mindset going to it? Um, no, because, uh, <laughs> when you get ready to go to grad schools and because you're in such a huge investment in your, in yourself, uh, they do these meet and greets where you meet people that would potentially be in your cohort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I went to one for, uh, Harvard, they were literally like laughing at the thought of trying to make money with your education. And they were laughing at the thought of, you know, people trying to <clears throat> basically, come out of the, uh, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 that it's going to cost you for one year and make money off of it. And I was like, <laughs> you realize I'm paying for my education by myself, right? No, bitch, you got to make money at the end. <laughs> but I went to, I actually went to the USC meet and greet, and that one was um, amazing, and they treated me so well. And they, you know, after you graduate, they guarantee you networking opportunities and stuff like this. And I was like, okay, you know. Seems like the place for me. <laughs> wow, that's the USC Trojans, right? Am I right about that? Oh yeah, yeah, right yeah. On. okay, okay. And <laughs> how, how was how was your experience at USC? USC was amazing, uh, but very very hard because I took a one year expedited master's program. So June of 2013, I moved to Los Angeles and I started my training at Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy and then I got an internship at a media company and like a month and a half later I started at USC so I was taking over full-time for graduates and I was taking like 12 units which is ridiculous for graduates and then I started writing my thesis and then I started doing an internship and I was still wrestling training and I started taking bookings and then like it was just one year of my life it's just a blur complete blur and and that's not even to mention how i was hospitalized for a week (laughs) why why was you hospitalized for a week i don't know uh right before finals happened at usc um i was i went to no i woke up uh, like any given day and i went to school and i was sitting in class and all of a sudden like i felt my heart starting to race and i thought because i was getting upset about something that we're talking about my heart started racing and i felt really warm and by the end of the class, it didn't go away. And, you know, three hours later, I'm still feeling warm, and I'm still feeling my heart's racing. And I started, uh, I stopped by a local Rite Aid, and you know those little machines where you stick your arm in the cuff? Yeah, and, and it, it squeezes it, yeah, yeah. Well, my blood pressure was elevated, and my resting heart rate was, like, close to 150, and when I got home, I had a temperature of 103. Oh, my God. And I wound up going to uh, the ER... And they thought I had walking pneumonia, and they gave me some medicine. They sent me home. They gave me a. They said I was severely dehydrated. They sent me home. Holy shit! Then uh, a day, no, two days later, the fever came back full force, and my heart rate was up again. I went back to the ER, and they thought I had uh, meningitis because apparently that's common in uh, college and grad school situations. So they did a spinal tap, and they admitted me. And they said that was clear, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. I saw infectious disease specialists. I saw I had EKGs done. I got CAN scans done. I got this done. I got that one done. And they could never figure out what was wrong with me. Oh, my God. And it took me about a month and a half to recover. The one thing they did find out is I was severely anemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an incidental finding of an enlarged spleen. Oh. And so... 
it took about a month for me just to feel like I was normal again. And after that, it took a couple more months for me to get back in the ring. And when I did get back in the ring, with the knowledge that I have an enlarged spleen and it's not going away, um, my trainer, Joey Chaos, actually helped me out to figure out how am I going to continue wrestling while I still have this malady within my body. And so it kind of changed a lot of things about how I wrestle and made it a little bit more smarter. And uh, I wouldn't be wrestling today if it wasn't for Chaos because he really helped me through that situation. Wow. So how is your training different as opposed to others with your enlarged spleen? Did, was your training changed in, in in a way, or was it still the same training like everybody else? Mm. The training changed because um, when it at first it was like very much like, hey, you know, hard impacts to your stomach could burst your spleen, which could send you either into the ER or potentially make you bleed out or possibly kill you. Let's see what happens, you know. Wow. Uh, so it changed things for sure. I got very cautious about, like, the offensive drop down and uh, about landing on my stomach and about, you know, other people landing on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was um, pretty much how it changed. You know, when people are going through normal drills, I adjust them to fit how to make sure that I'll still be okay. And even in, even, you know, nowadays, even in the ring, uh, if someone wants to do something, uh, you know, if I, if I see that they're coming in with like a big splash off the top rope, you know, I'm, my first thought is definitely to protect myself, mm-hmm. protect myself, make sure that my spleen's okay and make sure that I'm going to be okay. I feel like, you know, at this given point, I've been wrestling with it for quite a long while. Um, 2013, is it six years coming up on seven years? Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, three years coming up yeah. on four years. Wow, where did my math go? <laughs> <laughs> three years coming up on four years that I've been wrestling with it, that I've got a grip on it enough where I, it's, it's almost second nature just to protect myself and to make sure I'm okay. And, you know, hopefully if it would have burst, it would have done it by now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, knock on wood, you know, yeah, wow. Yeah. Now, always, always protect yourself. Always, you know, when it comes to wrestling, always protect yourself, protect your body. Make sure that, you know, you're going to be okay. Make sure that your opponent is going to be okay because, you know, you definitely don't want to be sending anybody to the hospital. Is that the reason why you started off as a manager slash valet? Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I started as a manager slash valet. Um, back in 2000, let me see, hold on, I gotta do some math, <laughs> 2006, 2007, yeah. I'm gonna say that like, like a kind of like I don't know what I'm doing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanna say in two, yeah, it was in 2007 that I started managing and, uh, Valene, I'll say Valene before I managed and um, I didn't actually start wrestling legitimately until 2013. Ah, okay. And then besides, you know, doing the, the, the training and taking bumps and, you know, doing drills and calisthenics or whatnot, um, did you manage to keep up? Of course you did because you're wrestling now, but at that time, did you manage to keep up with training, wrestling, school, and everything and whatnot? Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was really really hard. Like, and I'll, I'll tell you straight up, it was probably the hardest time of my life. But when you really want to do something, you're gonna find a way to do it. Yeah. You really will. I came back off of being in the hospital. Went, you know, started going back to trainings as much as I could, and still was doing an internship for a major media company and writing my thesis and finishing out my grad school. And I wound up graduating with. Uh, Really, really high honors. I graduated in the top 5% of the people graduating at USC. I got into, like, a really good honor society. I got my <laughs> got my thesis done. It was um, really great. And I have this amazing picture that I absolutely love. It's me and my USC cap and gown. And I'm opening my cap and gown. I'm opening my gown. And you can see the Santino Brothers logo <laughs> that I wore beneath my gown. Yeah. it's kind of poetic yeah. in a way because those are the two loves of your life so it's like wrestling and you know graduating Academic. you know, the academics yeah. yeah you know that's amazing yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I agree um so um you work for a lot of different promotions in the west coast um how has like you know working different shows and um working with different people and and women and guys like how did you um incorporate it you know into you know when when you started wrestling how did you incorporate working with women and men was was you kind of intimidated at first or was you very open with you know working with guys and girls like did you was you shy well you can't really be shy if you're wrestling but you know i guess there's some people who are shy but how was your attitude like are you serious? <laughs> you know they call me the equal opportunity ass kicker, right? <laughs> you know why they call me that, right? Why? Why do they call you that? So, out here on the, out on my coast, on the west coast, yeah. Um, when I started wrestling, there wasn't a ton of females out here. But uh, I was working at Santino Brothers Wrestling. And I was doing a bunch of matches, and essentially, I kept nagging that I want to match against BC Killer. And I don't know if you know who BC Killer is. He's about three fifty, and he—he's he, just a big guy. Holy shit! And uh, I really wanted to match against him because I've known BC Killer since like two thousand five, before I was even a wrestler, before I was even wrestling, before I was managing, before anything. I knew who BC Killer was. And I wanted to match against him. And I asked Joey Chaos of Santino Brothers. And I asked Mongol of Santino Brothers. And they were just telling me that I have to earn it. That I have to get it. I have to get there. So finally came the time. And during a promo, I talked about how they told me I have to earn this. This is something that you have to show us that you're ready for. So hell yeah. I showed them that I was the equal opportunity ass kicker. Verbatim. In a promo, and that stuck with me. Um, that was BC Killer. Whew, look him up. Like, you'll just see him. He is the total cholo, head-shaved. I He's going to, like, kill you guy. Uh, he does death matches. He does regular wrestling. He's a huge guy. But I went up against him. Um, and that's actually been my forte for 2015. That was my forte. I would say that I wrestled more guys and I actually did women in 20 sorry not 2014 2015 mm. is that um, is that a match that I can see on YouTube is that match on YouTube is that match on YouTube 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, YouTube, Beastie Killer versus Ruby Rays. We actually did more than one match. We did a several matches, and when he got the Santino Brothers Submission Championship, I almost I almost got him for that. Wow. But that was one of my things. One of the things I wanted to do was wrestle the guys, and since then I've wrestled my very, very first singles match was against Chris Evans. And he's the one that actually inspired me to go and get my legitimate training and make sure that I am good. And he's, he, you know, if you want to, you know, motherfuck anybody for me being in the business, you guys can motherfuck Chris Evans because it was a match against him that made me want to go get fully trained. Um, since then, like, I have BC Killer, Robbie Phoenix, Hoss Hogg, you know, there's a bunch of guys on the West Coast that I've wrestled. Joey Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Joey Ryan definitely won. Um, probably the best match I've had out here on the West Coast with guys is against Tito Escondido. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't even know if you can find him under Tito Escondido. Bad dude Tito. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hit up my wrestling channel on YouTube, just, you know, search for Razor Pops. And yeah. that should be one of the first videos you see is me versus Tito. And... That is uh, one of the guys that have pushed me the most, one of the guys that has uh, definitely tested my boundaries, and a guy who I will wrestle again. I promise you, I will wrestle him again, and it's going to be great. What was your experience like working with AWS? Uh, I work with AWS. Uh, Worked, will work, continue to work with uh, AWS. And uh, I won't even say AWS, I'll say Bart Kapitsky. Okay. Uh, Bart runs AWS. He saw me while I was still training at Santino Brothers before I even wrestled. And he asked permission from Joey Chaos if he could book me for my very first fully trained match. Yeah. And Joey said yes. And I wrestled three times that night. Wow. It was great. Uh, wrestling for Bart. Bart has been probably one of the people that is most responsible for anything that I've done as of today in professional wrestling because AWS, to my knowledge, has a following on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, people get to see it out there. Bart has put me in situations and been able to give me matches against people such as Lufisto. People such as Claudia Desolis. Um, Bart has put me... Bart was the one that put me against Tito. Bart has been the person... Bart is the man who gave me a legitimate title shot against Willie Mack for the AWS heavyweight title. I've never gone up for the AWS women's title. I'm okay with that because I went up for the AWS heavyweight title against Willie Mack. You know, Bart is someone that believes in me probably more than I have ever believed in myself. And I definitely thank AWS and I thank Bart for everything that they've done for me because, honestly, they push me beyond everything. Wow, that's amazing. Um, You also worked in a show in Tijuana for Crash and it was like in front of 5,000 people. How was that experience like? (laughs) Um... Wrestling for the Crash is a 
amazing. There's nothing really else that you could say, but amazing. So here, here's, let me, let me tell you something about the crash, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So I go to Tijuana to work for the crash and I wasn't quite sure what my match was. And then literally like two, maybe a week or two before the match, I find out that I'm in a match with me and Psycho Clown and Pimpinella, Escarleta, <laughs> versus Cybernetico, versus Mamba, versus Taya Valkyrie. Yeah. Holy smoke. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm going against the AAA ladies champ- champion, Taya Cybernetico, I mean, if you can't even follow Lucha Libre without knowing who in Cybernetico is, and, you know, I'm in there with Psycho Clown, I'm in there with Pimpinella, it's like, oh my god, how did I get, how did I get into that match? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the, the interesting part, and that, that is, that was an amazing, amazing time, and, uh, by golly, if, you know, Mamba knowing English and Taya knowing English, you know, mostly Mamba knowing English didn't help me through that without dying <laughs> because I'm in Tijuana and I know nothing and I speak very small amounts of Spanish. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that match besides it was ridiculous. It was amazing. It was only what I could imagine working for someone like the, you know, WWE is for, because all you see and all you hear is the first couple rows and roars of the crowd, and besides that, it's just like tunnel vision, and it's it's great. Anybody that can work for the crash or anybody that gives that opportunity definitely should do it, because they're, like, I came back from that match and came back to California thinking, okay, well, well, I'm done because that was amazing, and I'm not sure what's going to top that. So, I don't know. Oh, do you feel that you have to change? Like, do you feel you change your work style dependent on the crowd? Like a crowd of five thousand as a, a crowd of twenty? Do you feel like you work harder for that five thousand, or your your style is the same way? If the crowd is, you know, twenty or five thousand, you work the same way. Um, I would actually say that for the crash, I did less than I would normally do. Wow. And um, I don't know uh, how much that you guys get into the actual technical aspects of wrestling on this podcast or how shooty it gets on this podcast. No, hey, say what you um, say it. For, for the crash, once I found out that I was going to the crash, uh, I was training a lot under Los Luchas at the time. I don't know if you know who Los Luchas are. No. They are trainers at Santino Brothers. They worked for Global Force Wrestling. They're a stable, you know, a steady uh, tag team at Lucha Vavoom. They are absolutely amazing trainers. I told them that I was going there, and they told me, they've seen you as you, so make sure you do you. Mm-hmm. Well, I went in there with the full intention of doing me, and... Uh, once you get in the ring, it's completely different. Uh, I could do as much me as I want and try to do as much me as I want. But, you know, when you're being shot off across the ring with nobody telling you anything, 
with no one saying anything, with just them shooting you off, and you're looking like you're running straight into Cybernetico, you're going to do what Cybernetico says or what Cybernetico does. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Oh, man. But, uh, um, you're, you're a slave to the ring. You're a slave to what's happening. And it's not a bad thing, in my opinion. It's pure. Yeah. It is almost what I feel like wrestling should be. be. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You have no choices. You have no, you have no wherewithal. You, you know, the door with all that you do have is your training, and that's what happens. You know, I know you also work TV shows. Um, how is it, and wrestling TV shows, how is it like working TV as any other shows? Um, so I would say the uh, most TV-ish show that I work mm-hmm. is uh, championship wrestling TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do wrestle out in Louisiana for Wildcat Sports, and that is tape for uh, TV. I do wrestle for big-time wrestling, or I have several times, and that is also tape for TV. But um, championship wrestling, both from Hollywood and from Arizona, is taped specifically for TV. This is a TV show before it is a wrestling show. It is a TV show before it is a show for the people that it's in the audience. Mm-hmm. So wrestling for something like that for championship wrestling is a completely different animal. And uh, if you want me to get into how it's a completely different animal, I can. Go ahead. Um, so specifically, stuff like that, um, they'll tell you. You have seven minutes to your match. You have six minutes to your match. You have you know, X amount of minutes to your match. And this includes your entrances. This includes your, you know, hand raise. This this includes, you know, X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's because this is definitely this is a TV show. This is a TV show, but but it but just happens to feature wrestling. Uh, these things are, in my opinion, more pressure. They are um, more scarier i would i would almost say because then you're challenging yourself to want to go out there and do what you do win or lose draw whatever you're going to have within the time constraints that they're giving you so the closest thing i've seen to this has been wrestling for um whatchamacallit race for the ring mm-hmm. and in race for the ring which i did for uh, aws you have approximately x amount of minutes i want to say eight minutes mm-hmm. to either pin or submit your opponent and however many times you pin or submit your opponent equals how many points that you get and then how many points that you get is you know determine, determines on who the winner is so that's what I would, I would say it's akin to championship gives you x amount of minutes race for the ring gives you x amount of minutes make as many points as you can championships one pin once mission, that's it. What was it like to be the first ever big time wrestling women's champion? How was that? There would be plenty of other champions, but there's only number one. How how did it feel? <laughs> oh man, that's a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I say this, and everything everything I'm saying right now has a smile on my face. 
Okay. Um, it's, it, it was a really, really, really great feeling because as the first, you, you guys know who uh, Davina Rose is, right? You know mm-hmm. who Bailey is. Yeah. WWE. Mm-hmm. Bailey came from big time wrestling. Bailey came from big time wrestling, mm-hmm. and when she was there, she was known as Davina Rose. Mm-hmm. So, when it finally came time that they were going to crown a woman's champion, going in there and giving it my all and coming out on the other side as the first woman's champion was literally a tearjerker moment for me. Wow. Because, I don't know, it was 20, it's been like 20 years in the making. Yeah. They, they've never crowned a woman's champion. They've never seen it as something that should happen. And it did. And when it did, it was me. I can't, words, it's just hard to describe, honestly, because that, that, it was definitely a tearjerker moment. And I had beat Beatrice Domino once. I had beat her twice. I was, you know, definitely looking forward to it and definitely, you know, looking to test her and test myself to see if I could do these things. And it turns out I could, and it turns out I had the belt. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I want to play a little word association with you if you want to play. Sure. Okay. I'm going to throw some names out there and first word that comes to mind, just say it. Okay. Okay. Taya Valkyrie. Savior. Sage Sin. Pumpkin. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> um, Raylan. Bestie. <laughs> um, the Twisted Sisters. Beast Hates. <laughs> um, the Beautiful, the Lovely, the Flamboyant, Donovan Troy. Fuck him. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, we could get into that, but go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> um, Delilah Doom. Perky. All right. Caitlin Diamond. Fuck her. <laughs> um, Kimmy Shellhammer. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Not Caitlin Diamond. Sorry. Oh, what? my God. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kimmy is the one that I meant to say fuck her. Caitlin is fucking... You see diamond in the rough? Uh oh, this is some fighting words. Uh, yeah. Oh well, well no because okay, Kimmy Kimmy Shellhammer, you guys are saying Kimmy Shellhammer, you realize Kimmy's uh or at least recently she's been going by Kimmy Diamond. Oh. So like you say Kimmy Shellhammer and that's not uh, that's, okay. That jerked me back. It's 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 uh, <laughs> she's been going by Kimmy Diamond. That's why I got confused. Sorry, Caitlin. My bad. <laughs> and my last one is uh, Brian Cervantes. Good guy. Actually, that's one Good. thing that comes to my head. Good guy. Man, I feel still bad about saying bad things about Caitlin. I'm sorry, Caitlin. Wow. It wasn't you. Caitlin is getting the shaft, I'm telling you. 
Caitlin, these are some fighting words. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't you start stuff here. Hey, I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> hey, I don't, I, I don't want to get beat up by Ruby Ray, so I'll, I'll stop. Caitlin <laughs> uh, looks tough as nails, actually. Like, when I was watching her match at the last Sabotage, especially, she looks tough as nails, man. Yeah. Uh-oh. This this could be the start of something, and, it's all, and it all started right here. Who knows? Oh, speaking of sabotage, um, what do you think the future holds for sabotage? For ta- sabotage as a whole? Yeah. Hmm. I think. Well, let's see. Let's see how this first year goes. I think. Uh... Definitely being on the West Coast and doing a majority female promotion because it's not necessarily an all-female promotion, obviously, because you have people such as Donovan Troy coming in. You have people such as uh, Cholo and Mariachi that were on the first show. You've got the guys that are on this show. It's not necessarily an all-female show, but being a primarily female show on the West Coast is a first. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, if Brian keeps it up, the promoters keep it up, this promotion could grow into something definitely special. And I think right now it's special. I think because it is a first of its kind in the promotion aspect, it's special. I think I think I would like to see where it goes. I'm I'm actually really happy that Brian went ahead and did this and I am very grateful that it's not just that he's he's taking women. He's taking women that deserve a shot, that women that are trying their best, that are, you know, trying to get out there, that are busting their ass, people that aren't just sitting on their laurels. He's actually looking at people that are wanting to get to the next level, and he's giving them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, by God, if we don't need more of that out on the West Coast, if for nothing else to showcase that what we have out here, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know we was talking before we started recording, we were just talking about the East Coast wrestling. Um, do you see a difference in your opinion? You know, everything is subjective. Um, what's the difference between East Coast wrestling and West Coast wrestling, or even if that is such a thing, or, you know, what is the difference? What is the difference between East Coast wrestling and West Coast West Coast wrestling, yeah. In your opinion. Uh, when, it comes, when it comes to females or as a whole? As a whole. Um, well, I wouldn't say that off the bat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that there's much of a difference. But, but, <laughs> um, others would beg to differ with me. And I think the style is definitely something that we could look at as a difference between uh, West Coast and East Coast. I think what West Coast and specifically what a lot of SoCal is known for is for uh, exuberance. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. I would say we're known for exuberance and Mm -hmm. doing sometimes too much. Yeah. 
Um, I think that is majorly in play when you're looking at bigger promotions such as PGW, uh, PWG, mm-hmm. and a couple others. Um, maybe it is also when you're looking at women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people call it a. Uh, too flashy on the west coast yeah in my opinion or at least for me yeah. i uh i like to be the uh, socal smash mouth and go more smashy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but working with uh ladies that have also their uh east coast ladies they are uh, a little bit more old school a little bit more story driven a little bit more about telling the tales so i think Anytime that you could put together someone from the West Coast and someone from the East Coast, you're going to come up with something special. And this brings me to my tag team partner for Sabotage, Ray Lynn, <laughs> who you might already know from the East Coast. I think putting Ray Lynn with me was both the most brilliant thing and the worst thing because it's brilliant. Because we got two styles coming together, and it's the worst thing, basically, for everybody else in the tournament, because you do not have what we have. Hmm. This is going to be very interesting. And it wasn't even, you know what, it wasn't even Brian putting us together. It wasn't us putting us together. It was the fans putting us together. I tried. I tried. To be with Buggy, I tried to stay with Ray's and Buggy, but no. <laughs> Buggy was like, oh no, I want to be number one. Look at the promo. Look at the videos that Brian put up. Buggy was like, I want to be number one. I was like, no, I'm just trying to get us together. Okay, fine, Buggy. You want to be number one. You be number one. Delilah, you be number two. You guys are a team. Put me with Ray Lynn. Wow. You have... West Coast meets East Coast. Uh, you, that, you do not know what trouble you're in for. <laughs> the East-West connection. Exactly. And it's gone beyond that. You've gotten me and Raylan together. So we decided if we're going to do this, we're going to do this proper. We got West Coast meets East Coast. We got Raylan meets Ray's. We've been tagging together. We've been training together. We've been spending the holidays together. In fact, we're going to be, hmm, hard to beat. Wow. We are going to be the ones that bring it. We are going to be the ones to put the both coasts together. We're going to come to Sabotage, and we are going to show them what happens when you put two different styles together, when you put two girls together, when you put Ray's and Ray Lynn together, make Ray's craze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, how would you describe yourself in terms of your attitude and your personality? Are you serious? Are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> Just me? <laughs> I will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> and I say this from the most loving loving of places from the most honest of places all right do we do we do we talk about my old job being a clubber 
Oh, no. That's, well, we talked about it off there, but talk about it now. All right. So let me tell you, people. For two and a half years of my life, I clubbed. What does that mean? That means that I went out to nightclubs five to seven nights a week. And I partied with the best of them. <laughs> when I mean I partied with the best of them, that means I went to many clubs. I was on flyers for clubs. I did basically the person that if they were going to a club, this is the hot spot for tonight. I did this. Wow. Now, how do I translate that over to wrestling? Well, I know what people like. I know what people want. So when it comes to wrestling, I'll give you what you like. I will give you what you want. And when it comes to me being in there with Ray Lynn, it's unstoppable because I might be a little bit of the brawn, but she's a lot of the looks, and we're going to be beautiful, and we're going to bash your heads in while doing it. Wow. You're going to be like the female version of the Road Warriors. Kind of. Maybe without the whole, eh. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I talk about my attitudes, uh, I am very much... I try to be a lot of in your face and when I say I try to be a lot of in your face that's because I'm trying a lot of times I try to pull back yeah in real life I'll try to pull back and I'll try to you know sit back on the sidelines but when it comes to wrestling no I'm in your face so when it comes to me when it comes to Ray Lynn and when it comes to our attitudes we're just going to show you we're going to show you in the ring we're not going to be like Oh, let's, you know what, you know what, no, 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 let's look at the brackets, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to be like Kimmy and Sage, who probably have never wrestled each other. Mm-hmm. They're our first opponents. Mm-hmm. Me and Raylan have not only wrestled each other, we looked each other in the eyes and we shook hands afterwards. And we said, good match. We're not going to be like Hall of the Dead and Heather. Where one of these girls twerks and the other girl will just want to brutalize you. <laughs> We're not going to be like uh, Desiderata and Maserati, who, to my knowledge, have never teamed together. And you know what? Me and Ray Lynn have never teamed together, but we have fought each other. And now we're training with each other. Hmm. My attitude, my demeanor, it's being influenced by her. Not yeah. only do you have the angry girl, the angry Ruby, the equal opportunity ass kicker, but now you got Raylan who brings the East Coast flavor. Wow. Mm. You you're, you're totally focused. Shit. <laughs> oh, we are focused. We got, me and Raylan have trained together at Santino Brothers Wrestling. Me and Raylan have wrestled each other, and we're taking what we've done to each other. To the next level and join it together so we can make a team out of it. What I've done to her, what she's done to me, we could take that. We could work with it. And we can make it something to use against our opponents. Mm-hmm. Ruby, um, how are you, what are your fans like? How, how are they like when they see you? You have a lot of angry fans. You have a lot of happy fans. Like, What are they like to you? <laughs> my fans are amazing. Awesome. Um, my fans... I'll just tell you straight out, because I did uh, psychology, because I did research, 
I run analytics on all my social media. I know exactly who my fans are. I know who my best fans are. I know who everybody that follows me is. I know what they do. I know where they're from. Oh, by the way, where they're from, Los Angeles, New York, and Mexico. Mexico City, to be precise. These are the people that love me. Wow. My fans are the blue-collared workers. It's a lot of guys, ages 24 to 34. These are my people. Mm-hmm. They're people that go out and they work every day. They work hard to bring the money home, to bring the bacon home, to provide for their families, and they want their weekends just a little bit of fun, and they're going to come out to a wrestling show. These are my people. My fans, when they come up to me, they appreciate me. They say, thank you. They thank me for going in the ring and doing what I do. They thank me for putting my body on the line because they know what it's like to put their body on line because they probably do it for their jobs. My blue-collared workers, my hard-working people, They appreciate me, and I appreciate them. This is why I specifically wrote Christmas cards to everybody that ordered off of www.razorpops.com this year. I wrote them all Christmas cards, and I sent them all out this year, and I gave them all discounts if they want to come in to do something with me. They want to order a picture, if they want to order a shirt, if they want buttons, come at me. I gave them all discounts. Why? We're the hard workers. We're the ones where at the end of the day, when you're done, when you're sitting at home, you're trying to decompress, we're still out there doing the damn thing. Those are my fans. I appreciate them each and every That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You love your fans. (laughs) I know who they are. I I run my analytics. I appreciate them. Why can't you, you know, why, why, why shouldn't the wrestler appreciate the people who support them, the people who make it possible to do what they do on a regular basis, from photographers to, to mechanic to people that work in back offices, you know? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite four-letter word? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great word. Can we talk about this word for a second? Yeah, let's let's do that. Fuck. Fuck. Do you know where that word came from? School me. Where did it come from? Well, no, I'm asking you. Do you know where that word came from? Nope, I just know I heard it. As a boy, and I was told never to say it, but you know, you always do things where you're not supposed to do, like, don't say that word, and then you say it anyway, so, it's, it has a lot of different meanings to it, too. Well, yeah, and then, you have the the different, uh, the different meanings, uh, you have different definitions of it, Mm -hmm. you have perfumes that mimic the word. Yes, yes, that's right. the word. Yeah. F- yeah, F F F C U K. Yes, you yes. Know that word, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Germanic in origin, as are most words, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it means to ruin or damage something or have sexual intercourse with. Mm-hmm. I personally have no issues with the word fuck. 
It's actually one of my favorite words. And if you know me, I have a purse that has a big keychain that says fuck. <laughs> I hear or I read on the internet, I don't know for a fact, I haven't done research on it, but that uh, people with high IQs tend to curse a lot. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and the, the, the coincidence is that the word fuck always ha, uh, has a definition that says to ruin or damage something. Raise. Yeah. Ah. That is also about damaging something, I am just saying. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Um, What is your best feature? My best feature? Mm-hmm. Physically? Yep. My lips. Your lips. Why is that? <laughs> I would go. I would go between a, tear, a tie between my lips and my hair, but I hear it's my lips because uh, they are larger and they are a little bit more plumpy. Mm-hmm. I like my hair, but uh, we'll go somewhere between hair and lips. Oh, okay, okay. Um, a couple of more questions before I let you go. Um. Who has been the female wrestler you admired from afar, past, present, future, dead or alive? Uh, I am, hey, hey, go with the split on this. Okay, yeah, sure. Somewhere between uh, Lufisto and Candice LeRae. Was and it? I will tell you why for Lufus, though. Yeah. Um, when I was still managing, uh, it was the first time I ever saw Lufisto, and I was out here in California. She had a match against Joey Ryan, and she, I was not quite the manager yet. It was like a couple of shows before I started managing and balleting. And I got to see Lefisto wrestle Joey Ryan, and I thought it was an amazing match. And I was taken by how a woman wrestled a guy and how the match went, and I loved it. Uh, Candice LeRae, in case you don't know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is from the West Coast. Candice is from here. And uh, she did a lot of stuff for AWS and if you're a female and you're looking at wrestling on the west coast you back when I was doing it uh 20 you know 2012 2013 uh you couldn't help but notice Candice LeRae because she was making strides for women's wrestling she was doing PWG she was fucking kicking ass and um actually Candice and Lefisto were both Male opponents that I faced that I actually learned a ton from. Lefisto, I've gotten an opportunity to wrestle against and wrestle with because we have tagged together more than a couple times. Uh, Candace, I've only wrestled once, but the one time that I wrestled Candace, I got to learn a lot. And the several times that I've wrestled with Lefisto or against Lefisto, I learned a lot. So I would definitely say them too. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you a kinky question. Okay. What's your favorite sexual position? Oh. What an odd question. 
question. Um, <laughs> I would, um, I don't know. What's the one where I have to do the least amount of work? Uh, doggy. Let's go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All the guys are like, what? The least amount of work? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like, she could work in wrestling, but she can't do that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how much work do I have to do? You know, I usually have to do a bunch of stuff on a regular basis. Let's just see what, uh, what's not work. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> um, what kind of match do you enjoy most? Uh, tag, singles? Is it, be- is it because you have to do less work? Ha hint, hint. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I feel like uh, tag matches give you more room to be more creative because there's more bodies to work with in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's just one-on-one, obviously you, you're, you're limited between what one body can do and what the other body can do. But when you have up into tag proportions, you have a total of four bodies to work with. So there's a ton of creativity that can happen. Uh, my other, I would say my tag, tagging, is my uh, first and foremost favorite. Mm-hmm. And if anybody else wants to uh, tag or book me and Ray Lynn, please feel free to. Uh, com or razorpops at gmail.com. Or if you want to hit me up over any social media, I would say that... Uh, Looking me and Ray Lynn as a tag team is going to be worth it for you guys. But uh, besides that, I also enjoy no DQ matches. Do mm. so you like to use weapons and chairs? Weapons, chairs, you know, not necessarily death match, but a no DQ match. Okay. No DQ match. I got to do a ton of them last year when I wrestled for uh, Midget Mania. Mm. That was great. So, um, if there's any particular matches, if someone hasn't really seen your work, and is there any particular matches that um, they can look up on YouTube that that highlights all of you, like every all your move set, like you know, is there a particular uh, match there? I would definitely say look up Rays or Ruby Rays versus Tito Escondido or Rays. Or Ruby Rays versus Candice LeRae. Okay. Actually, I'll just tell you straight out. Go to the YouTube channel for Razor Pops. Just look up Razor Pops on YouTube. That's R A Z E R P O P S. Mm-hmm. And to my YouTube channel, and there's me versus you know, there's v, me versus Candice LeRae. Uh, I think I got me versus Lefisto. Me versus like a definitely a, a definitely good group of girls and some guys too, um, but I would say definitely look up me versus Tito Escondido or me versus Candice LeRae, and I would say those are two of the matches where I definitely put a lot of myself into. 
Okay. And um, my final question for you, Ruby, is what would the Ruby of today tell the Ruby of yesterday? Start wrestling quicker. I am older. I came into the wrestling uh, business older than I too. I managed for five years, um, but before I even managed for five years, I was in wrestling because I was doing photography, and I had people like Chimera or, um, you'll know him as uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, yeah. Eric Watts, and a bunch of other people telling me to go to the Inoki Dojo when it was out here in Los Angeles, and I didn't because I was dumb and I was stubborn. Yeah. Um, so it definitely tell me to start earlier. Start, start doing it earlier. Uh, Ruby, you are you you are a pleasure to talk to, and I appreciate your your honesty and your candor, and you know being open and honest with everything. Um, plug your social media, plug any upcoming events you have coming up, plug anything you want to plug. <laughs> I'm not sure there is uh, actually much of the social media to plug. All you got to do is under Twitter, under Facebook, under Snapchat, under anything else that you can think of, look up Razor Pops. That is R-A-Z-E-R-P-O-P-S. That goes for YouTube. That goes for pretty much any social media you can think of. I have the same name, Razor Pops. Wow. Um, Any shows coming up? I actually have this weekend off. I'm oh. wrestling because it's my birthday weekend. Hey. Yes. Hey. Can hey. I can I act um, your age? <laughs> oh, you won't answer huh? that. That's like, okay. No, oh. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> oh, honey. If Drake Younger asked me my age and I did not tell him, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I, it was weird. You answered the sexual question, but not the age. But okay. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would, uh, I would definitely, you know, go by, go by www.razorpops.com. Um, you can also go by my Facebook page. You could go by any other pages that you want. Um, just look up Razor Pops on all the social media. You will find me. I'll be there. I promise. You better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ruby. You've been a pleasure to talk to, and best of luck in your career, and hopefully we can talk after the sabotage event and see how you guys fared. Well, if I were you, I would just fly out to the sabotage event, because we've got about a month before we get to it. Uh, Oh, oh, let me uh, plug this out there. Before we get to the sabotage event, we've got AWS on, and uh, Rise Rise, which is uh, brought to you from the East Coast. Rise is going to be going on January 27th in Southgate. Um, AWS is January 28th in Southgate. And I know for a fact that AWS is going to be off the charts because it always is. And uh, I don't know. I think you should come out. You should come out to one of them. Either you, I think you should come out to either Sabotage, AWS, or, uh, I don't know, Rise. Yeah. I think you need to come out. Well, if I have a place to crash, then I'm there. All right. If that's all you need, believe me, I can find you a place to crash. Don't even, don't even front, boo. I can get <laughs> Okay, that sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Ruby. Thank you. And I, I hope to talk to you soon. 
Yes, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. Don't miss your chance to be a part of wrestling history when Sabotage Wrestling presents Hey Ladies, Saturday, February 18, 2017 at the UEW Arena, 926 Clear Avenue in Los Angeles. Doors open at 7, bell time is at 8. General mission tickets are $20, front row tickets are $30 a piece. Don't miss your opportunity to see a 16-woman tournament to crown the first ever Sabotage Champion. Participants include Heather Monroe, Delilah Doom, Kimmy Schohammer, and Caitlin Diamond, as well as special appearances by The Voice, Donovan Troy, and the one, the only, Thunder Rosa. For more on this show, follow him on Twitter at Sabotage2016, and check him out on Facebook at 2016 Sabotage Wrestling. And don't forget, Austin, Texas, May 13, 2017, Sabotage Wrestling is coming to you.